fun. Yep. Oh, crazy. Awesome. Well, I'm going to pray first. Um, but I'm really happy with how worship went and that we were able to love on everybody as a family. And I think that's super great. And I think it just sets the tone for what we're going to talk about tonight. Because um, God is love and he just wants our family to be united with everybody. So um, we're going to be talking about some heavy things and things that might bring up a memory that's unpleasant. But in that moment, just let it go. Because if it's coming up, that means we're going to deal with it. So it might be unpleasant, but at the end, God's going to do something amazing. And it's going to be so good. Um, so daddy, I just thank you so much for tonight. I just thank you for everybody who is here, that whoever needs to be here is here and you're going to speak to them. And I just pray that you would just use me and lead me in what you want to say and what you want to focus on and how you want to just show your kids how much you love them and how you want to get them free of stuff that they think that that has had them in bondage for far too long. So we just thank you for freedom. We thank you for victory. And we thank you for the ability to get rid of this junk that just tags on to our life. So that's what we're going to do. And we just love you. And we just thank you. And you're the best. So amen. Amen. All right. So this has been awesome the last couple weeks because we've been talking a lot about Father God and how we can forgive our earthly fathers. But we also learned a little bit about how our earthly fathers have failed us and our moms. And how because of their inability to cover us or to cover the moms that it's affected the kids. And it affects everybody kind of through down the line. Um, So we're going to talk a lot about what happens to women when their hearts are broken. Specifically by someone who is supposed to love them and then doesn't. Um, And kind of what happens in their mind and what happens in their outward. So the idea is that we're going to lay out what happens. So we can deal with it. But we're going to start with a good thing (laughs) of what God's original intention for women was. Because he always had a plan. And the enemy's plan is to pervert it. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to look at what God has really set up for us to live in a daily life. And what should have been. And what is possible. And then we're going to dive into what the enemy has done. And then we're going to dive into practical application of how we can get rid of this stuff. So, we're going to start with God's intention for women. And this is women who are properly covered by their husbands. They're properly covered by their fathers. Or they're properly, they have a proper relationship with Father God. That they know that they are safe and they're in a covering. So, this is kind of how women can operate in an optimal environment that God has put into place in creation. So, we're first going to look at, um, someone go to Genesis 2 for me, please. Verse 18, and then someone go to Genesis 2, 22 through 25. We're going to look at Eve, who is the original woman. <laughs> and what God's plan for her was... That came out a little bit creepier than I wanted it to. <laughs> the original one. All right, someone also go to Luke 10, 38. So who has Genesis 2, 18? I do. Cool. Can you read that, Corinne? Yes. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Sweet. And then who has 22 through 25? The first two. Nobody does, Corinne. You could read it for me, please. Okay. Thank you. 22 through 25? Yes. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from a man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Great. Thank you. So, women was originally created to be a companion. 
but not only just a companion, to be a helpmeet. Um, so in my, my King's James, <laughs> these and thous and all of that, it talks about that Eve was created as a helpmeet, that, that God says Adam needs a helper, a helpmeet. And so we are to aid um, men. And so it's not subordinate, which we've heard a lot of other people to take. Like women are lesser than or whatever. No, they are equal to, but they're helping in a different way. Um, so who has Luke 10, 38 through 42? Noah's got it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you snooze, you lose. No. <laughs> we have a lot of scripture, so it's good. Uh, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha uh, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of the preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Great. So this is a really funny story that gets used a lot in teachings to women specifically. Um, so sorry, men, if you feel excluded right now. But you don't want to be Martha. You want to be Mary is really what that happens um, to be. But the reason is this is showing a woman who's under the covering and a woman who is not under the covering. Um, so Mary chooses to be under the rest of Jesus and to just rest and to listen to what he has to say, where Martha is concerned with the physical things going on of what she needs to serve these people, that this was such an inconvenience to her day, her whole schedule is thrown off, all that jazz. But not only that, but she tries to accuse her sister to Jesus. She says, hey, did you see that Mary is not helping me with any of this stuff and it's all on me? That's control, that's manipulation, and that's accusation. And that's also self-pity, trying to get someone to feel sorry for her for the lot that she chose to put on. Nobody asked her to do that. Um, so that kind of gives you an example where, where Jesus was saying, Mary chose that which is good, which looks different than what the earthly world says, is you have to be as productive as you can in everyday situation, where Jesus is like, rest. I want you to be at rest, and I want you to be covered. But the one thing I want to mention is Jesus defended Mary to Martha. He was protecting her. He was saying, she's doing what is right. Chill out. You need to address yourself, kind of, in a, a much nicer way, but that's kind of how I read it. Because um, <laughs> I'm blunt. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of, that's when you're under the covering, you can rest, despite what is going on around you, or despite what you think you should be doing. That's what God has provided for women. Because we have such a heart to nurture, we have such a heart to be taking care of people, and that gets us in most trouble sometimes, because we do that without asking what God's idea of it is first. We get too ahead of ourselves. So if someone wants to turn to Esther 8.8. 8. So another wonderful woman of the Bible. I highly encourage everybody to read through Esther because it is awesome. And there is such a great example of a relationship between a husband and a wife and how it should work. Um, even though her husband was the king and he was not a Christian at the time, God still used him. So if anybody wants to read Esther 8.8 8 for me, please. I'll do it. Thanks, babe. Yeah. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name 
and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Great. So, context. Esther is a really long book for, I guess, I don't know. But Esther had a thought, and her thought was that her people were being taken advantage of because of the work of Haman. So Haman had actually put it into the law through the king, through the seal, which cannot be taken away, that the Jews were going to be annihilated on a specific day and that they were not allowed to fight back. They were physically bound by the law of the king that they could not fight back. Esther was a Jew, and her heart towards the people were just crazy. So she is, like, distraught. So she actually has to go break the law to talk to her husband, the king, and bring up this issue. What's amazing is when she brings it up, the king is like, oh, my gosh. I, I can't believe someone thought ill against you. He rushes to her defense. But she had the thought. She had to speak up. She had to say, this is not right. I'm going to do this. But she could not physically have, she had no power to physically do this. She needed the king to revoke his own law. She needed his authority to revoke the law. Does that make sense? Um, so what's great is that he could not even revoke his own law. So he revoked, he spoke a law that she wrote and he sealed it. He didn't even read it. He just sealed it because he trusted her and trusted what she said. And it was that the Jews could fight back that they were allowed to defend themselves. And through the actions of Esther, not only was her hope restored for the, her people, but the hope of the entire Jewish nation was restored. That's what it talks about in Esther, that they were all joyful. There was dancing in the streets before this day of annihilation was coming because they had been given the power and the authority to fight for themselves. And what's so great is as you read Esther, the king comes back to her three times and says, what else do you want to say? I will seal it. That's so cool. That is so cool. So through women, we can help restore people's hope and their joy. But we have to be under the operation of the covering of either Jesus, our bridegroom, or our earthly husbands to help seal it. If we tried to, she could not do it on her own. She needed somebody to seal it and do the deal. But she was the one coming up with the idea. Does that make sense? She had an original thought and went to the husband, and the husband helped her carry it out. That's what God has kind of created. You are not holed into a box. You are allowed to operate in the power that God has given you in unique ways. But through that power, you can build up a generation. No matter who you come into contact with, you can, let them, you can set them free. You can build up their hope, build up who they are, and restore them. That's what God has designed women to be like, under covering. Because we have naturally been created to love much. We've naturally been created to encourage. That's part of what God has built in us. But the way we do that is different per person. And God has created such an amazing opportunity for us to do it in all these unique ways. And this goes for anybody. Like, you're, you're, regardless of gender, you have been created with the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is one to build up and to encourage and to raise. And the idea is that after someone interacts with you, are they empowered for where they're going next? Are they changed from just interacting with you? Or are they feeling kind of the same or even worse? <laughs> That's always something to examine. Yeah. Um, so we're going to turn to Proverbs 31 as well and verse 10. <laughs> Proverbs 31. 
wants. I hear a lot of groaning. That's never used to reference one Never, right? That's adding to the Bible. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. When God said we're going to use Proverbs 31 as a scripture for this teaching, I said, why? <laughs> that is the, the chapter of condemnation of all the things that you should do, but you don't do. And you have to live up to the unattainable standard of what women are supposed to do. Because I was born into a church family that believed that a woman's role was in the house, and that was all they did, and they were barefoot and bare children, and all of that jazz. So much fun. That's not what this means. So, Daddy and his lovingness, he said, stop being so literal. When mm. <laughs> you read this, because I am, he can attest, I am very, very literal. Face value, <laughs> all the time. Don't even try sarcasm. I can't, I can't compute it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I just can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've tried. I can, you can, work on your face. It did not go well. Let's just say that. We have some repentance. We worked it out. So, um, Proverbs 31 really lays out how God has designed women to operate in their everyday life. But unlike what the world has read this, or today's church has read this, as um, how a woman operates in the home. God has written it as the way that we should operate in the kingdom of heaven. It is not a physical representation of what a woman should do on an everyday basis. It is a spiritual representation of what their everyday existence should look like or could look like. And God is not saying do every one of these things and if you don't do one of them, you're a terrible woman. He is saying here are the different ways that it could happen. And you are unique and you can work in them any way you want to. Um, so if someone wants to read verse 10 through 31, that would be great. We're just going to fly you. through it. 10 through 31? Yes, please. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. Who can find a virtuous wife? <laughs> far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. Uh, she brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Thank you, Cameron. Alright, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. These are, she is doing her own thing with God. 
and people know it. That's what I want you guys to see. But there are some really cool things that um, a woman should be like. She's strong. She's built in strength. Um, her husband is well known. That means that she's speaking well of him to anybody. Her family is well known. Sorry, that's one of that's one of the things that I love. Is she speaks well of her family and of her husband. He is well respected because of the way that she speaks of him. Um, she herself is clothed in fine clothing. So she takes care of herself. She has her own self-value. She has her own self-worth. So when I read through this, I was like, God, this chapter is hard. <laughs> what does this mean? And he said, this is not a subpar assignment that I have created for women. This is something that I have given them. I've given them the freedom to operate with me in a variety of ways. And what the, the main call for women is to be, or are to be, is that they are the builder-up, they are the encouragers, that they are the strengtheners, that they are kind of the entrepreneurial spirit. They are looking for a new way to bring about the kingdom of heaven. And when they are properly covered, they have the ability to do that in a variety of ways. She was covered by her husband. They have a great relationship. The home has peace. So she can operate under the freedom that God has presented to her. So that's, it goes hand in hand. She has to have that covering. She has to have that sense of safety to be able to successfully operate. To do anything. Really. So God told me, he said, in this chapter there is purpose, there is freedom, there is safety, there is self-worth. This is a wonderful assignment. I don't know about you, but this chapter was used to me to put me in bondage. But God has redeemed this whole chapter for me to be a place of liberation. Of you don't have to look a certain way. And here's all the things that could happen. But if you are just under your covering, if you're at rest and you know who your father is and who your bridegroom is, which is Jesus. He's a great husband, but he's not my real one. <laughs> Take that one out of context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I know that even if he's acting a little goofy, which sometimes can happen, I am safe in my covering of the father and of Jesus, and I can still operate in this. And I can still operate under the optimal environment and be led and not waver into fear, which is where we're going to go to next. So I know a lot of us have heard of the term godly order and ungodly order. And a lot of us have come from families and homes that have ungodly order in it at work. And what that means is just the husband is not properly covering the woman. And a lot of the times that means the woman takes charge. She bypasses the order that God has created to take matters into her own hands because she does not feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that she feels like, he will not do it, I have to. And she takes charge. That is where a whole heck of a lot of mess happens. Um, a lot. Almost all issues of kids... Beca happened because of that breakdown because she was not created to be that. She was created to be the helper, the assister. But the comer up of ideas is a, a phrase God gave me of like, hey babe, 
what do you think if we did this? And then he's like, sweet, let's do it. That's kind of how God has showed me that that's what godly order should look like. Um, so if someone wants to go to 1 Corinthians eleven three, and another person wants to go to Ephesians 5, 22 verse through 25, that would be great. Say those verses again. First uh, Corinthians eleven three. There was another one. Ephesians, Ephesians five twenty two through twenty five. What was the other verse in First Corinthians? That was it. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Cool. Anybody have First Corinthians eleven three? Hold up. No. Do you want to do it? Noah's got it. Sorry, Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) You snooze, you lose. (laughs) Actually. Cameron's place is behind the guitar. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Noah, please read it for First us. Corinthians, let three. Uh, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Great, thank you. Who has Ephesians 5? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Share. Yeah. Becky, I choose you. All right. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Thank you. So, there's a lot of scripture, but this is kind of like the main two that are used a lot to talk about godly order. And it's just talking about how God has created things to kind of flow. And um, it's Christ, the husband, the wife, the kiddos. That's how he created it to be. When ungodly order happens, the husband is shifted over to the left or the right, and the woman takes her place. She boots the husband out of the place and puts herself in his shoes. It's not Sometimes that has to happen. Well, it doesn't have to happen. It happens because of the husband being passive or not present. Either we've talked about spiritual widowhood before with Ron, and we've talked about what happens with that, of the man is there, not, but he's not spiritually there, he's not physically there, um, and he's not covering. Um, so the woman takes charge, and she has to take on the role of the man. What should have happened is that she actually stays in her spot, And she looks to God, to Father God, to be her husband, to be the covering. That's what should happen. So an analogy, and it's, as Ron would say, it's an occultic one. But I'm a picture person, and that's what I'm going to use. So I think of a totem pole. Um, So the totem pole, if you guys know, in a lot of cultures is a carved wooden pole, and there's different heads, and that represents all the different deities. But also it can represent a family hierarchy. Um... And so it is, the God is at the top, underneath there are the patriarchs, and then it goes down. So God kind of says, godly order is like the totem pole, where we all are stacked 
and we all have to be in the totem pole to be strong. What happens is the husband's head can shift over when he is not fully listening to the word, listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit, and in relationship with Father God. What happens a lot of time is the wife follows him into the sin, into the thing, either by going under control or just because she's, like, scared. That happens. What happens then? The kids will follow. And then nobody is in alignment with the Word of God. Nobody is under the covering of the Father. What should happen is that when the husband is shifting, if he is, the wife stays. And she stays and chooses to be at rest because then her kids are covered and she is covered. Because she has to believe that no matter what happens with the head of her of her husband or whatever, she's still covered because God says he will never leave you or forsake you. He is there. When he says that he is there, he is there. He is not moving regardless of whatever situation is happening. So there's something that has to happen in the woman. Because we love and we want to take care of things, we will chase after the man. We have to fix you. But that's not what God wants. God wants to be the one who fixes them. You you are supposed to stay and stand firm and stay under the covering so that you can operate and be at peace. And it can be well with you, and then it can be well with your children at that time. Or anybody else you come in contact with. Because no matter what, if you are not at peace, you are going to be no fun to hang around at all. Um, So a great example of this was actually a couple weeks ago. Um, My husband came home from work, and he had a crazy migraine. So he's not like he was being abusive or anything. No, he just came home and he had a crazy migraine. And Matt never gets sick. Never. Like, at all. Immune of steel. It's incredible. Um, so my husband came home and was just unable to cover me because he was laying in another room, could barely even open his eyes. So the enemy had taken him out. So I'm sitting there, not expecting that to happen. So that's a curveball that happens with life. of Just something happens that you didn't expect it to. And my first thought was, I need to go take care of him. Oh my gosh, like, he is doing so well. Like, I need to just, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to make him as whole as well as possible? Do I go pray for him? Do I go, like, rebuke spirits? Like, I was like, what do I got to do to get him back on track? And God was like, hey, it's not you. You are supposed to stay here and listen to K-pop and... Make dinner. You're going to make him dinner, and you're going to let him be, and you're going to trust that he's going to deal with it if there is something he needs to deal with, and you're going to love him, and you're not going to follow him there. Because I was ready. I was ready to jump in all in, in the name of love, but really for it was fear. Yeah. But I will say that when he was knocked out, the thoughts that were penetrating me, the enemy had a full ride because he was not there as my protector. So I had this whole bombardment of like, there's the fear, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to be doing about that? That I don't have when my husband's in line and keeping those things at bay. So I had to recognize that all this stuff was coming at me, and I just needed to, God, you're my covering. And it went away. But I had to choose not to follow, to smother him. And then he came back at the end of the night, and then... I fell under the junk and he was able to bring me back. So that is how godly order is supposed to work. Is if the wife goes under, the husband can bring her back under the covering. And if the husband leaves, then he can bring her back under the covering. We're not supposed to follow them. You're supposed to pull them back. Does that make sense? Cool.
So, we're going to move on to how the enemy perverts this. So, the enemy loves ungodly order because the woman is not safe. She does not feel rooted in any sort of security. Um, and I hate to give statistics, but I think about like 95% of married couples, women do feel unsafe a lot of the time. And this is, this is because they either have been hurt in the past by their father or their husband, and they have a broken heart. Um, and whenever you have a broken heart, you have broken trust. You can't trust fully. You can't um, rest at all. You're trying to survive. And that happens so much in the lives of women. So it doesn't even matter if a woman marries a super godly man, and he is like love itself and super strong. If she has past hurts because of her father or because of an uncle or someone who was supposed to love her and didn't, she's still going to view, she's still not going to trust her husband who's amazing. She's, there's still going to be an issue. So he might not even do anything wrong and she's like refusing to be under his covering because she just, nope. Men are evil. They don't know Jack. They're dumb. They just don't understand. I know everything. They're not going to even go there. So it doesn't matter how nice the man is. You're still going to be, their women are still going to be tempted with trust because it's scary to trust. It is. That's just because we need to learn who we should trust and how we can stay rooted regardless of what happens. So, yeah, so we've talked about spiritual widowhood with Ron, and he talked about a lot of things that brought on this broken heart because a lot of times we, we are people walking around with our hearts broken because of something someone said or did or said and didn't do, promises that didn't get made. I had a lot of that for my father, saying he was going to do something and then he didn't because he forgot or he fell asleep or he went to the beach. That's okay. It was the moment. But my heart was pierced. And I had to, I had, I was walking around with that. Mm. And that can happen with their moms too. You can have a broken heart with anybody. Mm. Like, you know, it's so funny how we can have a great conversation with someone and they say, well, hey, I've noticed this one thing about you. Or they say something that's negative about you, and that's what you hold on to. That's what you walk away remembering. And your heart is pierced, and you're like, well, I'm not going to hang out with that person anymore because they're crazy. Like, we automatically shut ourselves off from that. And we go and lick our wounds, but we never heal them. We're just patching it up. It's like you're trying to put a band-aid over a broken leg. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's just a sprain. It's fine. Totally cool. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. So when the enemy comes in and creates this feeling of unsafety, of this, this feeling of being uncovered, that you need to survive, that you are in the ocean with a raft circled by sharks. Like that's the, These are dramatic examples, but this is how fear makes you feel. That this situation is the last thing on earth, and if you make a wrong decision or if you don't do something right, you're dead. That's what it is. That's what it is. So when women are under this, they are unable to properly exist as the mom in a family unit. They, they can't because they're so consumed with what's going on in their own head of not feeling safe, not feeling covered. I'm just trying to do my day, and if he could just get his act together, blah, 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 
that they cannot properly love anyone, including themselves. And that's where we get people spewing onto their families and their kids. That's where you get mom's best intentions really just damaging their children. Really. Um, so we're going to talk about survival tactics that women take on or your moms might have taken on. So what happens when you're not feeling safe is you try to take control. You try to take things into your own hands. And this, is, this control and manipulation can take a lot of different forms. It can take a very verbal, abusive form, or it can take a very fearful, I just want the best for you kind of form. Mm -hmm. They're all the same thing. They're all the same. It's the same spirit, just a different different voice that's connecting to it. So I'm going to read out some survival tactics that um, I think are pretty common in moms and, and women in general uh, when they are confronted with not feeling safe. We have perfectionism, drivenness, control, manipulation, abuse, both verbal and physical, Self-hatred, self-doubt, double-mindedness, meaning they can never make a decision. Mm. That they, no matter, even if they make a decision, two minutes later they're like, well, maybe that wasn't the right decision. Well, maybe this one is. That they are just so back and forth. That they, and you're just like, just pick a flavor of ice cream. You know, like, that's how dumb it is, but that's what they're doing. They're tossing back and forth. They just cannot stand rooted in one thing. And... The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So if someone is being back and forth, you can bet that there's a lot of other stuff going on in their head that they are just they just need help. They just need love. They just need the father to come and say, "It's okay. It doesn't matter which ice cream you pick. Like, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> Chocolate's my favorite personally, but you know." <laughs> um, so we have doubt and unbelief, constantly questioning what they believe, questioning did I make the right decision? Questioning, am I actually going to the right church? Are my kids doing the right thing? All of this stuff. Constantly questioning what they believe and kind of stirring up stuff that doesn't even need to be stirred when God's like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's what he says. Yeah. We, we should be people of our word. That when we say something, we mean it. And then if we say we're going to do something, we do it. That doesn't always happen. Good intentions. Bad, bad things happen sometimes. Um, domination. This is a huge woman trope of, like, moms in TV. The dominating. Coming in, blowing through, yelling everything. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Why are your clothes like this? It's all because they're rooted in fear. It's all rooted in fear. So even though they sound angry, inside they can barely stand because they're shaking so much. Because they have nothing to stand on. Self-pity. Well, I had the worst day ever. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> word by word, moment by moment. Self-pity. It's because this is a victimization tactic. Of I want you to feel sorry for me because I do not believe that you will ever feel anything other than. Like you won't even pay attention to me unless you feel sorry for me. That's what it is. That's what self-pity is, is attention-seeking, because you just do not feel rooted in anything. Accusation. Sounds pretty mom-like sometimes. Why are you wearing that? 
<laughs> Did you gain a few things? You know, a few pounds? Are you going for seconds? What is that? That's accusation. That's accusation. But a lot of times accusation is 10% truth, 90% lie. There's a little bit of truth sometimes there. But the delivery was horrible. Yep. Absolutely horrible. But you know what? A lot of what accusation is is people pointing out things in another person that they feel like they have. Of, I feel like I've put on a few pounds. Let me call out this person for going to seconds. It's that insecurity that comes out. So, attention seeking. When are you going to come visit me again? It's been three months since you've seen me last. Attention. Whining, complaining, gossip and slander. Um, and then, so that's kind of the, the verbal stuff that we think a lot about moms. Of just talk, 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 talk. And it's all negative. Mom, just shush. Just shush. That's what you think sometimes. But it's all because of fear. The most fearful people I have ever met, including myself, are the ones... Yeah, meeting myself. I don't know. But I used to talk all the time to anybody I could see because I was so afraid of being rejected. Because I was so afraid of being alone. Let me just talk to everybody. doesn't matter what we're talking about. Let me just bring up something. has nothing to do with anything, but I'm just going to talk. That's a tactic of fear. Excessive talkativeness. Um, codependency. This can happen when the husband is out of the picture. We've said physically, spiritually, mentally. Or he's just not reliable. That's a thing. Um, and this happens a lot in families. Um, where the woman... The mom can look to her son as a surrogate husband, especially a a son who um, is a very spiritual guy. He's just doing great. He's a great dude, and she's just like, he's who my husband should be. He needs to fill the void. So that's improper because the kid is supposed to be a kid, and is supposed to be under his parents, not over his mom. Does that make sense? That's why we're messing with the totem pole. Um, codependency can also happen between a mom and a, and a daughter. Um, speaking from my own personal example, um, my mom and I had a super codependent relationship. She was my God because I didn't trust God. She was the one I went to, Mom, can I eat this? Mom, can I do this? Mom, can I do that? And if she couldn't answer, I was lost. And, um, yeah, and that was all because of fear. She was afraid, and she would kind of just speak, you know, are you sure that you're okay? Are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not. You know, so we, we, my mom is here today, and that's just wonderful, and we've come so far, and she's a beautiful lady. Um, but we joke a lot that, whoops. <laughs> she trained me to be a very fearful person by accident because she didn't know any better. So I'm walking out of stuff now that's a result of the way she's, she, she taught me. And that's okay. I'm, I'm growing. Yeah. I'm less fearful than I was two years ago, right. which is awesome. Yeah. And so is she, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And we're learning to be independent people. Cool. And I'm learning to not go to her yeah. about things. Because I'll tell you what, when there's codependency and then your mom isn't there, that wrecks you. Your heart is shattered. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of this is when I was younger. I was very, very sick. Probably because a lot of fear I had. Most likely. 
Yes, it is. Um, and I had in this in my head, I was like, when I am free of this sickness, when I am healthy, this is how my family's gonna look. And I had like the Andy Griffith show. It was like my everyone's gonna be well. We're all gonna be singing Kumbaya. We're gonna be great. Like I just have to get well, and we're gonna be good. Well, as soon as I got better, I realized that my mom was actually really sick, and she was hiding it from me. I found out my mom was dying, pretty much. And I was so angry at God, because I said, we had a plan. We had a plan. And why is she, you know, and she was my rock. She was my only rock I had, because I didn't know Father God. And when she was taken away from me, because she physically was unable to, I had nothing. Well, I had you know, we had something, but in my head I had nothing. And it was wonderful because God came in. And he says, I am your everything. I am your rock. So this codependency thing, I just encourage you guys, if you see some stuff where you're like latched onto your parents a little too much and you're trusting them a little too much when you should be trusting God, work on that. Because they're humans. They're human. One day they will die. One day they, will, they won't show up when they, you need them. But God will. But God will. And it's amazing. My mom is healed and completely whole. And it's so great. So, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. But codependency is horrible because it takes away... What it is is it makes two people one person. And that way the enemy can just not only take away individuality of special gifts, but he can take away the effectiveness of two people that could bring the kingdom together. That they're so concerned on what the other person is doing that they're doing nothing for the kingdom at all. That's a big deal. So there's fear of rejection, but with moms, the biggest thing is fear of rejection from their kids, from their children, because they know. When you you guys are talking and, and fear comes in and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I talking like this? Well, I'm just... This is horrible. Like, why am I manipulating? You know, you you know when you're speaking, you're like, what the heck? And you know, like, man, people just think I must be horrible. That is what moms are thinking of a lot of the time when they're speaking. And they're so afraid that the way that they're acting, but they can't stop from acting because they're so programmed to be fearful that their kids are never going to come back. Like that mom was like, when are you coming for dinner? I need you here at 6 o'clock. She is so afraid that you will never come for dinner unless she asks. She is so afraid that one day when she hugs her kids, they're not going to come back. They are constantly afraid that they have done something to permanently damage the relationship of their kids. A lot of the times. But some of them are just so rooted in other stuff that they either can't recognize it or they're powerless to do anything against it. Okay, guys? Smothering. We talk a lot about that. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have watched The Goldbergs, which is a really <laughs> funny Last show. Night. Yep. Do you know what that mom's nickname is on the show? No. The Smotherer. Oh Instead, my they God. don't call her mother; they call her Smother. <laughs> and it's really funny. But gosh, that show is so funny. It's great. It's so good. But she is like the quintessential example of someone in fear and in control and in manipulation. And they make a nickname out of it. It's so common that this is a trope that they can use in TV that everybody can relate to. 
Because that's where, like, dads come from in TV. That's where kids come from. Like, that's where the teenager, like, mom, like... It all comes from similarities. That everybody's like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. You don't see really weird people getting on TV that are just, like, so unique. You're getting people that, like, can be an overarching theme. So the smothering, that is that result of, like, I need you to be safe, so I'm going to keep you as close to me because I'm the only one that it will love you and will take care of you. And if you go out in that wide world, I can't do that. I can't. I have no power outside of my arms right here. You need to stay right here to be safe. Fear-mongering. They're afraid of their own shadow. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. Just, well, what if, the, what if there's rain? Well, what if this... Well, what if you, you shouldn't go there? Like, that's a bad part of town. You know, like, there's just the constant what if. I will, I encourage you guys, wherever there is a what if in your thought, that thought normally relates to fear. Always. What if is a fear mindset when God says, well, this is. You are. He speaks in definites, not in question marks. Um, we've got anger. That's a pretty... Pretty self-explanatory one. Just being constantly angry. But anger is just another defense mechanism of being afraid. Um, cobras, the snake. I don't know what else could be a cobra, but a yoga pose, but we're not go there. Um, a car. A car, that's true. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Love it. So, a cobra is pretty deadly and it has the thingies that it flashes out I don't know the correct term sorry Steve Irwin I failed you the hood so it flashes the hood that is a defense mechanism that is not an, an act of aggression that, that snake is scared and is trying to appear bigger even though it has all the venom it has all the things to take care of itself it doesn't want to fight but it's just trying to fit in. It's just trying to puff up and, and be safe, and hopefully people will leave them alone. That's really what they're trying to do. All snake bites are normally not them viciously attacking them. It's because they got stepped on, or they invaded their home, and they're like, well, what's happening? I just want, that's a whole nother whatever. <laughs> uh, hatred towards men. That's a big one. That is huge. Because of deep-rooted bitterness. Because of a broken heart. If you trace back the, the thoughts and the voices that, and the memories, there will be one memory where he said she, he said he would, he didn't. There's always that with, with hatred towards men, specifically normally a father, where he was like, he's good, he never came to my, my soccer games. He said he would. He went to all my brothers, but he didn't go to me because I'm not a boy. Men are... Men are stupid. They just don't know. Women, oh, what's the phrase I've heard that I really hate? Um, men are the head and women are the neck. We can turn them whichever way we want because they just don't know what they want. I hate that. Ooh. I do. Ooh. I've never heard that. Thank you. I knew I heard it from somewhere. I was yeah, like, no! <laughs> like that, that, um, that hatred stems a lot of um, disrespect towards towards God's people. Because men were created by God. Women were created by God. Everyone, regardless of what they have done, 
to you are created by God. And he said, I love this person. So, so <clears throat> thoughts, actions, and words that speak death over people, especially I can't stand them. Like, have you seen, have you ever been in a conversation with someone? Normally you bring up the mother. You're like, well, how's your, how's your mom doing? She's awful. Like, their countenance changes. You can see hatred in someone's countenance when it's there. And if you sit talking to them long enough, they've got hatred to a lot of other people, too. Because <laughs> when you invite one in, you invite all. <laughs> all of it. That is not good. But it all comes because they weren't covered. Because someone broke a promise. That's a lot. But the great thing is, we have a whole book of promises. And none of them will be broken. But there's conditions. If you believe. If you forgive. If you are obedient. If you choose love. Then all of these things will be added onto you. Read those. Look for the if, ands, and buts. Look for those. Because those are God's, his love. Of like, I don't want you guys acting a fool. If you read this, you won't. And then it's all good. <laughs> Do you think God delights in things going horribly in your life? No. It kills him. But he gave us free will. He gave us free will. He gave us the option to choose. We get to choose what we do with stuff. I have gone down a rabbit trail. <laughs> That's what the face was. Um, so what do survival tactics sound like? I love analyzing thoughts because it's easy to tell where people's thoughts come from if you think about them a little bit. No one else will, so I have to. I must. No one else I can rely on but myself. I can only trust myself. I need to take my own future into my own hands, and I've got to do this to make it happen. No one cares. No one cares about me. I can only take care of myself. I'm on my own. I can't do any... Like, I'm on my own. I'm by myself. I've been abandoned. If only my husband would help me with the dishes. If only my kids would recognize this. I'm on my own. Um, fun exercise is to imagine when someone's in fear, they're in constant torment. They don't have one thought at a time. They have like 50,000 thoughts at one time. And it is just madness. Speaking from someone with experience in that area. It is absolute torture. Because this is what your day looks like. <sighs> I'm going to wake up. Dang it, I should have already woken up two hours ago because I was said I was going to have devotions and I should have made myself dinner at like one in the morning. Dang it, why did I not do that? Great, Matt just called and he said Please, we're going to go have lunch with somebody, but that ruins everything. It ruins my whole plan. I was supposed to do this, but I haven't even gotten to the grocery store. How am I going to feed them? What am I going to feed them? When am I going to have time to go to the grocery store? I have to go to work. And when I'm at work, I have to do this, and then that person totally didn't do anything. So I have to take up their part as well as my own job, and I've got to do everybody's job at the same time, and why is everybody incompetent around me? Oh my gosh, like, this is the worst day ever. Oh, but I just need Jesus. Jesus will give me peace. He is peace. Sweet. All right, well, what am I actually, how am I going to figure this out? I need my strategies. I need my 40-step to-do list. I need my calendar. I need to X out everything. I know someone who has to scribble out everything that they do before they can move on to the next thing. Their calendar looks crazy because she is just going from one thing to the next. She's never at rest, never at peace. 
This is what their thoughts are like on a daily basis. There is no peace. There is no peace. And they are constantly consumed with this. Um, Not being properly covered can cause women, especially moms, to obsess over daily needs. Food, housing, clothing. These are things that God has told us he will take care of. But when you don't trust him, you think you have to take care of them. And if you listen to a mom, like even me just getting married and like the temptation that the enemy has is these three areas are my biggest thing. How we're not going to have food in the house. And that's like, babe, we can go out. And I'm like, but we are going to starve. <laughs> you know, like it's a super dramatic thing, but in your head, it makes sense. It's not until you speak it out that you recognize that it is bunk. To use one of Matt's words. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, the other obsession that they have, besides food, housing, and clothing, and these are provisions that God says that he will have or that the husband should be taken care of. When the husband is passive, he's probably not taking care of these things. So this is where the woman feels tempted to take charge. These are daily needs that she thinks she needs to provide instead of letting God provide them and provide the opportunities to give them to her. Does that make sense? She's taking charge instead of sitting back and letting God lead her. Um, The other things are the emotional and physical well-being of her children, of her kids, of her family. This is a huge thing where the enemy can bring torment. I know, I know, my state, excuse me, of being caused so much torment for not just my mom but my dad. I know it because I was not at peace. I was sick. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. I was undiagnosable. There's no security in that. But that caused her to get into even more fear, if that makes sense. And then to cause me to be in more in fear. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. The mom can set the tone in the home for peace or for disease, equaling disease. Okay? Because fear is contagious, accusation is contagious. All of these yucky puckies that the enemy wants us to be. I know I love yucky puckies. I heard it once and I can never not use it. That's <laughs> um, what they are. We make these issues a bigger deal than they are. They're just psh. fleas with megaphones is what I love to call fear. It's a flea with a megaphone. It sounds bigger, but you could squash it easily. When you look for it, it has no idea what it's talking about. Fear doesn't know the future. It doesn't. The only one who knows the future is God. The enemy says he knows the future, but he doesn't. He's just as dark we are. At least we can be in peace about it. He's in permanent not peace, (laughs) which is awesome. I love it. Um, Yeah. They are in constant torment, guys. When you do not feel safe, you are in constant torment. You are just treading water. And you're exhausted. There is a uh, physical thing that happens to our body when we're in fear called fight or flight. And God designed this mechanism for, like, someone jumped, like, a cat runs out in front of your car. You stop. Your heart is pounding. That's fight or flight. You were given the God-given ability to handle situations in the moment and to handle them well. But there's a time and a place for that. What happens in fear is that your body is constantly in that mode. And God did not design it to be that way. So your body just cannot function. You can't, your mind doesn't function. You're not sleeping. You're just in torment. Your spirit, soul, and body are in torment. 
and you and a lot of the times when women especially moms get so wrapped up in this stuff they can't even take a moment to be like I need to be at peace because they're just their heads their heads are mush to put it bluntly their heads are mush so it makes sense as if this is what is going on in their head, if there is a constant barrage of thoughts of just all the ways that they're failing, not living up to things, or things that they need to be taken care of that actually God can take care of. It makes sense that sometimes they're going to speak things that are not right, that they're going to say things that are not lining up with God's word, because what we meditate on becomes us. They're not going to know how to properly love and put your kids at peace when they don't know what peace is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If they have so much bitterness, they're not going to know how to build you up. They're not. Because they can't compute it because the Holy Spirit has been choked. He can't say anything because there's no room. There's no room. So we're going to move on. Um, And we're going to work on developing some compassion to our moms and for the women in our lives that have hurt us. Um, I'm hoping that what we've been talking about, the survival tactics, that you've slowly been kind of realizing that when people hurt you, it normally is just an extension of them being hurt themselves and from a place of their hurt, okay? Your moms are not evil, The women in your life that have said stuff are not evil. They just are bamboozled, and they've been taken bondage. And they're letting something else have their members and speak death over you. But it's not them. Because God created them from the foundation of the world. He said, that is my beloved daughter, and with whom I am well pleased. That's what he says about every single person he has created, including us. Just because they get goofy doesn't give us the, the right to say, you are not a beloved daughter because of the things that you said to me. Because you hurt me, God must not love you because he's on my side. God is a just God. He is. But his justice system is not lined up with what the world thinks is a justice system. And it's awesome. I love it. So the reason that they operate in this way is that they have not been loved properly and been hurt. It's all about a broken heart. It's all about broken trust that they just have not built back up again because they don't believe in, they don't believe that God will take care of them. It's all of this putting on God something that he never did. They won't go to him. They won't. So I want to read some scriptures to kind of like beat this into you guys <laughs> of how detrimental fear is to sanity and to peace and alright so I have lots of verses coming up so if everybody wants to sword drill um, does anybody else get that? yes, <laughs> yes. yes. dang performance based yeah anyway <laughs> there was one kid I grew up with he was always faster than me and I was like dang it um, that used to be me yeah <laughs> was it you no <laughs> I doubt that were you in North Carolina at that time no alright Proverbs twenty one twenty five. someone go to Proverbs one thirty three. someone go to Proverbs uh, hold on not in the Proverbs 1 John four eighteen. 
Uh, someone go to 2 Timothy 1.7. And someone go to Matthew 6.33. Did everybody grab a verse? Because that was a lot of them. Yes. Say, say them again from the top. <laughs> <laughs> and again from the top. Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 25. Got it. Got it. Proverbs 1, 33. Okay. Pro- uh, see, I did it again. 1 John 4, 18. Sweet. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Cool. And Matthew 6, 33. Got you. Got you. Thanks, Cameron. All right. Whoever has Proverbs 21, 25, please go. And we're just going to shoot these out. So when one finishes, I'll just say who needs to read it. 21, 25? 25. Okay. The desire of a lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. That's it. Yeah. That's what? what? Proverbs 21. Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1? No. no that's I have two Proverbs reverse. Let me double yeah, check this. Yeah, it was the this. first one you read out. I was confused why you added that one. All right. Let's She's check. Maybe I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Is it Psalm? No, I don't have anything from Psalm. Gasp. Yeah, just go to the next one. Yep, go to the next one. But he who listens to me shall live securely and, and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Yeah, I don't mind. Okay, just forget Proverbs 21 25. <laughs> well, don't be lazy. There we go. Don't be Which lazy. Is a fun thing. All right, Crane, can you read that one more time? Sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Cool. My, um,. Bible says something a little different. Yeah, I have NASD. Yeah, totally yeah. okay. Um, I've got it written here. But whoso hearkens to me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. That's what my my Bible says. Yeah. I love King's James. <laughs> Sounds so official. So dwell safely. So I looked up the um, Greek are the Hebrew definitions of these words. And dwell means to reside permanently, to set up, and to remain. The word safely means you, that you are properly placed in a place of refuge, and you are, have, and you are in a place of trust, and you, are, you care less. I love that. Care less. Not that you are not good at your job, but you just care less. Um... And then quiet just means to lull, which I think is hilarious, but that's a whole <laughs> another thing. All right, who has First John 4.18? I think it's you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. Thank you. Okay. No, sorry, I forgot. There's a whole sentence. Yep, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who fears has not been perfect in love. So if you have not received perfect love from your mom, she's probably in fear. Probably. Most likely, yes. <laughs> That's what the word says. Alright, Second Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Thank you. <laughs> For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Cool. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Fear is torment. 
Fear is torment. They are in torment. Everybody cool with that? Cool. Yeah, I was just thinking. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. Sweet. Can I say something about that first Timothy verse? Yeah. Um, you know, when it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. If you see someone not operating out of a sound mind or not operating in love, then it means that they are in fear. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love of a sound mind. Those three things are the antithesis of fear. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. Very good. All right. How to get free from this. So if you guys have bitterness towards the mom or you have, sorry, I didn't mean to like, single you out, Noah. (laughs) We just locked eyes. (laughs) Um, So if you have memories of a mom that hurt you or of a woman that hurt you and you get a clench in your spirit, you have unforgiveness towards that person. They hurt you. Or if you think, oh my gosh, that hurts. They hurt you. How do you get free from that? You have to forgive. You really do. And I'm not, what I'm not saying is moms can be abusive. And there are some situations that were horrible, okay, that should not have happened. But you still have to forgive, regardless. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So if he was being crucified for speaking truth, we have to also forgive no matter how bad abuse was or how bad the hurt was. But a lot of the time, I will say... A victim mindset will come on to you when someone hurts you and blow it out of proportion through self-pity. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how this person hurt me. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. It's horrible. It's terrible. That you just share it with everybody. Let me tell you. It's horrible. The idea is that you're building yourself up, you're tearing them down. But maybe it was like, they did not share my the coffee with me. That's a huge, huge understatement, okay? Um... There are bigger deals, and I'm not saying that we have to think lightly of abuse. We're not. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is God's power through forgiveness can heal any hurt that you have received at any level. Or even if it was a little ping, any ping that you have, any broken heart, needs to be healed, regardless of the level of it. Yeah. They all have left a piece of something on you that is not you, and it needs to be dealt with, and it needs to be cleansed, and God can do it. But what I will encourage you to do is if you recognize that you have some really intense stuff against your mom or there's really bad things that have gone down, don't share it in a group. Go to a person that you trust individually and talk it out. I'm not saying that you sweep all the abuse under the rug. You don't not share your hurts, that you don't gossip or slander or whatever. But you go to someone and you say, hey, I've got this thing. It's stuck inside of me and I just cannot let it go. I need your help. That is the difference between going to get healing and going to spread junk. Okay? That is the difference. We don't have to be we don't have to lie when things hurt us. We just have to know what we need to do to get free of it. Okay? Um, There are so many scriptures that I have about not judging people. Like how many in God's word says, do judge not that you not be judged. If you have an ought against a brother, you need to forgive or God will not answer your prayers. There is stuff that says that. You are, as a daughter and as a son of God, you are entitled to forgive. It is part of your mandate. You are to live peaceably with all men, including yourself. 
there's a lot of self-bitterness that can happen that you also need to forgive because, oh my gosh, I just hate my mom. I must be a horrible person. That is something we have to deal with as well. Okay? So I have an example for you of forgiveness. Um, I come from a long line of matriarchal control uh, in my generations. <laughs> and it takes different forms. Um, my mom was very fearful. And we're dealing with it. And she's doing great and I'm doing great. Her mom was very manipulative and not very great. Um, I have terrible memories of my grandmother, just straight up. I don't have a good relationship with her. I don't know what grandmothers are supposed to act like because I have one that's not, not doing that, okay? I had so much anger and bitterness built up towards this woman, but I was terrified of her. Um, she had abused me, not physically, but emotionally. Um, whenever I saw her, self-pity constantly negative. Why don't you see me again? I need you to come down and see me. Why aren't you seeing me? Um, there was no generosity in her heart towards me. There was conditions. When she sent money, there was something she wanted from me. There was no unconditional love with that relationship, okay? Um, she kidnapped me once out of love. That do me a favor, love me less. That's what I felt towards this lady, okay? So I had a lot of junk towards my grandmother lot of it, okay? I did not want to be around her. I was terrified of her because I could not stand up. So in October, God says, you need to go visit your grandmother. <laughs> and I was like, why? <laughs> He's like, because you need to deal with stuff. Yeah. So my mom and I went with my sister, and we all were like, we're a united front. So it took three of us to go, okay? This is like, wow. I'm not, she is a, an intense individual, and God loves her so much, yeah. okay? But she is a battle, it is a battle just to be on the phone with her. And I've got to repent as soon as I hang up, okay? It's, it's bad. So we were down there, and three days felt like four years. <laughs> um, but what was crazy is there was one story of just God just broke my heart for her and used my mom to speak forgiveness into my life for her. So we were driving home one day, and my grandmother lives in a retirement condo in Florida, so pretty safe. It's Florida. Not much trouble old people can get into in a condo. Um, she parks 20 feet away from her house. She gets up in the car and she goes, Julie, which is my mom's name, I have to show you something. I need to demonstrate something for you. He's very intense about it. And we're like, oh no, what's happening? Um, and she takes out a whistle from her keys and starts blowing it. And she blows it from the 20 feet from her car to her door. My grandmother is blowing a rape whistle because she is like, I have to blow this because people will know that I'm here. And if it stops blowing, then they know that I'm not here anymore. She's like, I even blow, I blow this all the time. She's just like so excited about this thing. And my sister and I are like, what's happening? <laughs> She's like, at church, I blow it in the daytime. From when I get to my the front door to my car, I have to have it in my mouth, and I have to blow it, and I just have to do it. And we all did not handle that whole thing very well. We were like, what are you doing? You know, we're freaking out, and then she did not do well. But what I'm explaining to this, we got, we got into the condo, and we turn around, and she has rape whistles for all of us. And she's like, you need to have this. You need to have this. Everyone needs to have this, and you need to blow it whenever you walk from your car to this. Okay? 
So, me being so forgiving was like, what is her problem? Like, so for, like, whatever. And I was talking to my mom, I was like, I cannot, like, justify this. This is just weird. And, like, my mom, in all of her wisdom, just looked at me and she was like, can you imagine living your day being so afraid that you cannot even walk 20 feet from church to your car. Without needing to do that. Okay. And at that moment, God just broke me. He said, you have been delivered from so much of this fear. So you'll never have to get to that place. Which is awesome. But I need you to extend the same mercy to this woman. And to forgive her for everything that she has done. Because now you know where she's at. She has nothing to rely on. She believes in God, but she doesn't know Him. So I just encourage you guys, it doesn't matter what they have done to you or all the years of abuse. If you can get to a place, you just say, Father, show me what just five minutes looks like in their life and he will bring that empathy he will bring that ex- like I know what fear looks like because I've walked out of it and so I was he was able to take me there but that is her and it was her form of love a perverted form of love that wanted to give me that whistle too because she wanted me to be safe but she is so tormented that she could not even register what the problem was, okay? This woman has hurt me a lot. Can I add one thing to that? Yeah. The other piece of the puzzle that we have learned when you deal with someone like this is you also have to take steps for yourself to not be a victim anymore. Yep. Yeah. So when a person's so tormented, that they, this is just spews out of them. Yep. You know, you have to love yourself enough and find that place. Yep. Or that you don't allow that to happen to you then. Yep. In love, but you're doing it for love for yourself, but also for them, that yep. they don't have the opportunity to do that. It's yep. not good for them either. So it's kind of two things. There's the forgiveness, but yet not allow the enemy to use a person to make you a victim. Yep. So that's okay. And again, the scripture that we were given that was so helpful yep. is you're supposed to love others as you love yourself. Yep. So to when you allow someone, even a family member, to really verbally abuse you or whatever, that's not loving yourself. And God would never ask a child to put themselves in an unsafe situation. Never. He doesn't want that for anyone. Yep. So you don't put yourself at the doormat for someone else. Yep. Because that's not what the scripture says. Exactly. And a lot of times churches or doctrines say to lay down your life, but there's a difference between, you know, the right and the wrong way to do that. Yep. Or that you are allowed the enemy to, to harm you in the process. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. So practical application, you have to forgive. It is not an if. It is a mandatory. If you want to be free, you have to forgive every single instance that you remember being hurt. Um, You forgive, you move on, and you repeat. 
a lie I had for the longest time was I need to have her ask for forgiveness before I would forgive. If she would just get her act together, then I wouldn't be a mess. Uh, I wouldn't be scared of her. Tell you what, when someone is so consumed with the torment that the enemy brings on, they're not thinking about you. That's just straight up. They're not thinking. They're so consumed in their own mind and thinking only about themselves and how poor things are in their mind. They do not think about how their actions affect other people. So you waiting for that forgiveness, for them to be like, hey, I'm sorry, it's probably not going to happen. So why not just be proactive and say, God, for me, for my spiritual well-being, for me to be whole, I'm going to forgive, regardless of what they've done. And no matter what she does from this point on, I'm going to forgive. You have to forgive every time something comes up. It is, you cannot get around it. And when you have those thoughts of, well, she did this and she did that, and you're trying to justify not forgiving, it doesn't matter. God says you have to forgive. You have to. No other option. So there's three dimensions of freedom and walking stuff out. So this is a process. Okay, so we're going to start by healing the hearts tonight. But there's going to be a process because you don't just get free overnight a lot of the times and stuff that you've just been trained in. And that's okay. So you have to know the truth, which we've been presenting today through scriptures. And that there's John 8.32, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth. Who does your father say he is? Are you safe in him? Does he love you? He is the person that will always be there for you. Anything your parents do... He's going to do the opposite if they're not right. <laughs> if they're not right. Resist the devil. So the devil will come back. So after tonight, if you forgive your mom from stuff, I would guarantee you a week down, he'll be like, well, what about this time that she did that? And you'll be like, no, I forgave her. If there's a new moment that you need to forgive her for, forget of it in the moment. But you say, I'm choosing to forgive this person, and I'm going to keep doing it. He'll be like, well, you didn't really forgive. You said, heck, no, I did. People stood around me and agreed with me, and I did. Shut up and go. Talk to my father about what you're telling me. That's what I say to him all the time. It's great. They shut up after that. Because you have the authority to be like, Dad, take care of this. I have a little annoying flea talking to me. He needs to shut up. He's refusing to go away. And then God comes in, and he gets real quiet. Okay? Isn't that awesome that God will do that for us? Mm -hmm. That he will step in as the protector. Um, I always picture God a little bit like Vin Diesel, but that's just me. <laughs> from like, from, from like the pacifier. Oh, God. I don't know. I just you like, that's amazing. just oh, watch out. <laughs> it's a great movie. Anyway, and then number three is cast out. You need to cast out the spirits of bitterness that come in towards people. You need to cast out the enemy when he's coming. And you do that through um, through talking to people and people praying over you and them coming into agreement with you. So that's what we're going to do tonight um, is we're going to come into agreement as a body, as a community, and a family. And we're going to say, it's time to go. It's time to go. I'm sorry this went longer than I anticipated. Um, but it's going to be really good. So... What we're going to do is something very similar for those of you who are here for the Father's Love Ministry time. We had a prayer. I think I've got it here. Um, we have a prayer that uh, we have three people who are, are going to be available for ministry. Myself, my mom, and then Kate over here. And we're going to be spread out. So, Kate, do you want to be in the kitchen? Yeah. 
Okay, um, Mom, do you want to be in this room right behind you? And then I will be at the staircase. Um, Matt and Cameron will be floating around to kind of help people, guide, guide people. But what we're going to do is if you need to, to be prayed over this and you want to, like, move on from the... This bitterness will kill you. Yeah. It will kill any growth that you want to have. It will just hold you back. Yeah. And it's time to just let it go. Let it roll off. Father, forgive them for they know not what they did. They tried their best, but were a little bit ignorant. Or maybe they just didn't try hard enough, and then we gotta we gotta deal with that. So we have a prayer. I'm gonna read it for you, just so you know what to expect, so we don't fling anything on you. Um, we will pray over you on behalf of a mother or a woman that did not, could not, would not, or maybe just did not know how to properly show you love. I, your sister, will. I will take responsibility for your heart right now. On behalf of your mother, will you forgive her not for not properly showing you love? I am so sorry for the manipulation, control, and guilt, and any other junk that may have injured you and confused you and left you feeling wounded on the inside when you needed her love so much. In the name of Jesus, I release you from this fear, resentment, anger, and confusion. Now you are going to hear these words for your heart. I love you. I am so glad that you were born. I am proud of you. You are a good son or daughter. So that's what we're going to be praying. If you have specific things like memories that pop up while this is happening, stay. Speak them out. We will spend as much time as we need to to help you get free from this stuff. Your life is important to us. Your health is important. And we love you, and we want you guys to be free. Amen. So, yep. if you want to pray us out, then we can do that. Yeah. We're done, so